welcome to the 300th episode of Dream Infringement. Yeah, we've been doing this for quite some time, and now we have 300 episodes under our belt. They said we couldn't do it. <laughs> they did say that. Someone did. I'm sure someone out there was like, they'll never make it to 300. And look at us now. Here we are. Proudly broadcasting from KSKQ. Southern Oregon's beloved community radio station. I hope you're feeling pumped today, and I hope that this song is helping. Um, it's it's later in the evening to be feeling pumped, but that's okay. Maybe you're doing dishes, or you're cooking dinner still. You're gonna have a late dinner. Um, I don't know what time normal people eat dinner. We usually eat dinner rather late uh, in comparison to others. Um, but that is just how we roll. But this isn't about dinner. This is about um, us and the longevity of dream infringement. There are three dream infringers, 300 episodes. Are you sensing a theme here? Because there is one. And the theme this week is uh, trios. So we're going to talk about some things that Come in threes. Thanks for listening to us uh, through all 300 episodes. We, we really appreciate it. And um, you can always go to SoundCloud or I iTunes and look up Dream Infringement if you feel like you need to uh, catch up on <laughs> those 300 <laughs> episodes. All right, to get things started, we're going to play the song Knock Three Times by Tony Orlando and Dawn.
tell you about the OG trio, the originals, the trio who made trios a thing, like literally, without this trio, we wouldn't exist. That's right. Mm -hmm. I know exactly what you're thinking. The good old protons, neutrons, and electrons. Yes. A quick refresher. Electrons are a type of subatomic particle with a negative charge. Protons have a positive charge. Neutrons are neutral. And I think in most friend groups or any kind of social group of three, be it animal kingdom or human kingdom, there's this dynamic that plays out. In our case, I feel pretty confident that Bobby is the proton because he has the most extroversion and energy out of the three of us. I feel like I'm probably the electron little bit more cranky, maybe a little more negative, which would make Emily the neutron, the the balance one that not as energetic as Bobby, not as cranky as me, <laughs> like <laughs> the one that holds us all together. Thank you, Emily, for being our neutron. Well, most of the cells in our body regenerate every 7 to 15 years. Many of the particles that make up those cells have existed since the dawn of time. Carl Sagan said, the cosmos is within us. We are made of star stuff. We are a way for the universe to know itself. I feel like it's more of a way for us to know the universe because self-examination is a lot easier than the co taking on the cosmos. The carbon, nitrogen, and oxygen atoms in us were forged in burning stars. The heavy elements in us were made from exploding stars. Every atom of oxygen in our lungs, carbon in our muscles, calcium in our bones, iron in our blood was created inside a star. And you can phrase it, you can make it sound really cool if you start thinking about the ramifications of this. like. I carry the secret of eternity in my veins. I drink waters that have quenched a thousand fires and will go on to quench a thousand more. I 
once was a mighty redwood. I once was grains of sand on a foreign shore. I once was a languid serpent on the Nile, and when I died, my bones became the delicate curve of a snail's shell in the rain. And then I was the rain. And then I became me. And I made a radio show, and here we are. And you became you, and you turned on the radio. <laughs> See, everything goes full circle, doesn't it? Uh, Walt Whitman said in a very forward-thinking line, I believe a leaf of grass is no less than the journey work of the stars. A blade of grass may seem common, simple, not complex, but we are all those protons, neutrons, electrons, the simplest to the commonest thing. Yoda <laughs> from Star Wars would say, luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. Yes, somehow I reside in this conglomeration of atoms that's sentient and has feelings and determination. And another arrangement of atoms is a blade of grass. And it gets too surreal if I think about it too hard. It's above my understanding of science and chemistry to understand how one thing becomes this and one thing becomes that, just that it is so. So I meant to play a song that was by a trio of singers, but I really just wanted to play Stardust Memory by Nat King Cole, because truly we are the memory of Stardust. And now the purple dusk of twilight time Steals across the meadows of my heart High up in the sky The little stars climb Always reminding me That we're apart You wander down the lane and far away Leaving me a song that will not die Love is now the stardust of yesterday The music of the years gone by Sometimes I I spend the lonely night Dreaming of a song The melody haunts my reverie And I am once again with you When our love was new Kiss and inspiration But that was long ago Now my consolation Is in the stardust of a song Beside the garden wall When stars are bright 
are in my arms The nightingale Tells his fairy tale A paradise where roses bloom Though I dream in vain In my heart It will remain My stardust melody The memory of love's refrain My son is a big fan of the author Roald Dahl. Um, He wrote books like The BFG, Matilda, and one of my son's favorite books and movies, The Fantastic Mr. Fox. The Fantastic Mr. Fox is about a very charismatic fox uh, who wants a better life for himself, but also can't help himself from being a wild animal and he will steal food and goods from the local farmers. And the local farmers are Bogus, Bunts, and Bean, a trio. And they are the villains of the book and the movie. And uh, when we decided on this theme, I immediately thought of the rhyme that the school children sang about Bogus, Bunts, and Bean. Um, it goes a little something like this. Bogus, bunts, and bean. One fat, one short, one lean. These horrible crooks, so different in looks, were nonetheless equally mean. And the movie has a really cool uh, little song that they made for this, and I'm going to play it right now. In the book, Mr. Fox decides that his best bet at safety is to dig a bunch of holes underground, and at one point in the book, he's digging and digging and digging, and his kids are digging, and his wife is digging um, to get away from the farmers who have just absolutely had enough of the fox's shenanigans. So I'm going to read you a little excerpt from uh, that part in the book. All right. Now there began a desperate race, the machines against the foxes. In the beginning, the hill looked like this. And there's a picture of a big hill with some um, construction vehicles on there digging and the foxes underneath the hill. And the book says, after about an hour, as the machines bit away more and more soil from the hilltop, it looked like this. And now there's less soil on the hill in the picture. Sometimes the foxes would gain a little ground and clanking noises would grow fainter. And Mr. Fox would say, we're going to make it. I'm sure we are. 
but then a few moments later the machines would come back at them, and the crunch of the mighty shovels would get louder and louder. Once the foxes actually saw the sharp metal edge of one of the shovels as it scraped up the earth just behind them. "'Keep going, my darlings,' panted Mr. Fox. "'Don't give up!' "'Keep going!' the fat bogus shouted to Bunsen Bean. "'We'll get him any moment now!' "'Have you caught sight of him yet?' Bean called back. "'Not yet,' shouted Bogus. "'But I think you're close.' "'I'll pick him up with my bucket,' shouted Bunce. "'I'll chop him to pieces!' But by lunchtime the machines were still at it, and so were the poor foxes. The hill now looked like this. It's getting more level to the ground. The farmers didn't stop for lunch. They were too keen to finish the job. "'Hey there, Mr. Fox!' yelled Bunce, leaning out of his tractor. "'We're coming to get you now!' "'You've had your last chicken!' yelled Bogus. "'You'll never come prowling around my farm again!' A sort of madness had taken hold of the three men. The tall, skinny bean and dwarvish pot-bellied bunts were driving their machines like maniacs, racing the motors and making the shovels dig at a terrific speed. The fat Bogus was hopping about like a dervish and shouting, "'Faster! Faster!' By five o'clock in the afternoon, this is what had happened to the hill. Now it's starting to look sunken in. The hole the machines had dug was like the crater of a volcano. It was such an extraordinary sight that the crowds of people came rushing out from the surrounding villages to have a look. They stood on the edge of the crater and stared down at Bogus and Bunce and Bean. Hey there, Bogus, what's going on? We're after a fox. You must be mad, the people jeered and laughed. But this only made the three farmers more furious and more obstinate and more determined than ever not to give up until they had caught the fox. Well, I won't read the end of the story, but I will tell you that it does end well. And Mr. Fox finds a really great home for his family. Um, in the book, or in the movie rather, um, it ends with them living out their life underneath a grocery store and they can just steal food from the grocery store anytime they want. And so the final scene is the foxes and other animals dancing in the grocery store holding um, all their grocery store food and like juice boxes and stuff. And uh, they're dancing to the song by the Bobby Fuller for Let Her Dance.
Hey there, hi there, ho there. It's Bobby, your favorite dream infringer. I know, I know. I wasn't supposed to let the cat out of the bag, but it's okay. We can keep it a secret from Emily and Jennifer. They'll never know. Right? Wrong. It's okay if they know. But that's not why you're listening to me right now. You are waiting on bated breath for me to tell you my choice when it comes to famous trios. Well, I'm going to tell you. The famous trio that I have selected is none other than the three friends in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. That's right. 80s classic directed and written by John Hughes. If you haven't seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off, it's a wonderful slice of 80s uh, rom-com, drama. It's got it all. It's like everything. I mean, it's a John Hughes movie. Need I say more? Uh, It's great. But these three characters, Ferris, Ferris's best friend, Cameron, and his girlfriend, Sloane, those are the three that I am going to be talking about. The reason why I think that they're uh, important to talk about is because of their dynamic. I just love, uh, I love that Ferris Bueller is such a, uh, he's, he's a rascal, right? He, he wants to get away with, with uh, pushing boundaries and he's, he's taking the day off of school, but he's pretending that he's sick. And while he's doing that, he's just making it count. He's having, he wants to have an adventure, but he doesn't want to do it alone. And I find that very relatable because I'm a, an extrovert. And although I enjoy my solitude, uh, one of the things that I, I just sometimes need to do is I need to be with people who are special to me. Like a really exciting adventure is only enhanced by having the people that you care about right there with you. And I love the kind of... Uh, I love the kind of closeness that Ferris has with uh, Sloane and Cameron because even though he's best friends with Cameron and he's the boyfriend of Sloane, he treats them both like their family. Like he treats them like they're his blood. And I find that very uh, endearing because they go through all of these like wild, interesting experiences while they're while ferris is playing hooky and through all of it they might have like some conflicts or like issues cameron gets mad at ferris multiple times because ferris is trying to like get cameron to do things like uh steal his dad's car so they can drive around in this really nice red convertible and uh you know that that's something that Sometimes Cam, uh, sometimes Ferris hurts Cameron's feelings. Uh, it's very realistic. It's it's real. I think to like the friendship dynamic, which I think is why John Hughes is such a a wonderful writer. Uh, when it comes to movies, he just does things that are very. He writes things that are organic that unfold in a very natural way. Uh, but but they're close. They they have like this closeness that that can in, endure and overcome conflicts and issues and arguments and disagreements Uh, i i love this trio they are so much fun and there's a scene uh in this movie 
where they go to this really famous museum in Chicago and it has like like all of this art hanging and they're just like standing around just like looking at it and these are all supposed to be like teenagers and I think that that's really cool because there's so many teenage movies that's again what I love about uh, about uh, John Hughes is that there are so many teenage movies that come out where the teenagers are so like one-dimensional all they care about is like you know smooching all they care about is like getting high on drugs all they care about is doing these like you know these illegal things that teenagers aren't supposed to be doing right getting themselves in trouble but but one of the things that i love about john hughes movies and this particular john hughes movie is that teenagers are human beings that can enjoy a good piece of art because when i was a teenager there were things that i enjoyed that were not characteristic of what pop culture might lead you to believe about teenagers and i think that like teenagers deserve to be seen through a lens uh, of like complexity and reality and i think that this uh this trio from ferris bueller's day off depicts it just right um it's it's what when i watched it when i was a teenager it's i felt like this movie gets me this movie understands uh who i am and who my friends are and and the kind of relationship that we all have so so my choice was Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Ferris, Cameron, and Sloan. And if you're a fan of this movie, I know that you are just, you're like, Bobby, please play the song. Please, please play the song. And if that's what you're begging me in your mind while you listen to me on the radio, then my friend, I'm going to give you what you want. The song that I have chosen is the song that Ferris Bueller sings while he is at the parade. He lip syncs it at the parade uh, while he's playing hooky through the middle of Chicago. And that song is Donka Shane by Wayne Newton. Enjoy. Donka Shane, darling. Donka Thank you for all the joy and pain Picture show, second balcony Was the place we'd meet Second seat, gold Dutch treat You were sweet Donka Shane, darling Donka Save those lies, darling, don't explain I recall Central Park in fall How you tore your dress, what a mess I confess, that's not all Darker Shane, darling, darker Shane Thank you for 
Sway I Y A. Yep. I like young adult fiction because obviously a teenager with special abilities who's socially awkward needs to save the world. I mean, who can't identify with that? And as the rise of young adult books became suddenly a really huge thing, like when I grew up as a teenager, we had what, like, Sweet Valley High. Well, t- technically, I maybe our library was a little antiquated, so I had Nancy Drew and The Black Stallion and Anne of Green Gables and, of course, The Hobbit. Those YA books were like a lot more serious. Like, but now suddenly they've realized that teenagers like to read kind of easy books with romance, possible love triangle, world-saving teens with special abilities who are able to be recognized and able to be important. And I mean, that's kind of great to read about when you're a teenager and kind of great to read about when you're not a teenager because adult stuff, I don't want to read about taxes or cleaning the house or bills or a full-time job. Like, it's really hard to be a superhero and like maintain a full adult life. But once the YA books really started booming, suddenly everything had to be a trilogy. There wasn't just a, a book from start to finish. It covered everything. No, there was now everything had to be a trilogy. Uh, unfortunately, not every author had enough content to make a trilogy, at which point it kind of reminded me of like a depression meal way back when, when they had just a little bit of something, like you have just a tiny bit of bacon or some other kind of meat and some flour and a little bit of sugar, and you found a lot of ways to not let anything go to waste, to make as many meals as possible out of little as possible. Like you saved the grease, you saved the broth, you (laughs) did everything you could, so you kept your family fed. That seems like a a very... (laughs) I made like a... (laughs) A very dramatic illustration for saying like I feel like trilogies are kind of the same way where there's like one-third meal two-thirds filler three books for one book's worth of plot and it's totally understandable why they would do that you get two times the profit for one product and every once in a while I'd see an author who I imagined stood firm and was just like no this is a book one book all you get 
it ends. No cliffhangers. The ending was truly an ending. And that in its way is kind of satisfying because you don't have to (laughs) eagerly anticipate the next book. Because sometimes (laughs) this this can go wrong if they release the first book and books one and two haven't been even written yet. I mean, I was reading a YA series. I read book one, I read book two, and then three was supposed to be on the way. And then the author posted, it was my plan to have the final installment of the trilogy finished at the end of 2017. But during the long slog to complete another series, I realized, having written in the same genre for 10 years, my drive and excitement had dissipated, and she's unwilling to produce a finale that doesn't do justice to the story. And that's it, since 2017. And then she took down her website and took down everything, and there's been no update since. So we'll never know how it ends. I I feel like I need to cut my losses at this time. I'm not getting the third book. And, you know, that's hard for an avid book reader because they can be a bit relentless. Um, There was one author I was following, and it, it was the same thing, where, like, the last book had yet to be released. And she... I don't know if she had an injury, but she started having issues with severe back pain. She couldn't sit up. She was like going to the doctors all the time. And finally she posted that like people needed to stop like being mean to her and harassing her because they wanted the book out. I guess they thought that was how it would work. Like insult her enough till she gives us the third book. It didn't work that way. But yeah, when you're reading a book, it can produce a lot of dopamine And you're like, hi, author, I'm addicted to your novel and I need my next fix, please. So where's my book? I saw you posted on Instagram that you were out shopping and not finishing my book. Where's my book? Oh, look at that. You're on vacation in Hawaii, not writing the third book. Now, I don't want to hear about your little nature walk today. Get to writing and finishing my book. Like, it begins to get a little bit aggressive. It does. I've never personally harassed an author I've just thought thoughts in my mind of, what are you doing? Write my book. I need it. You did this to me. You left a cliffhanger that I cannot live with. So, yeah. Uh, The song that I'm going to play is called This Right Now, and it's by Haim, which is a group of three sisters. Because when I'm reading books, I want all my books right now. And here we go. Gave you my love, you gave me nothing Said what I gave wasn't enough You had me feeling I was foolish forever Thinking this could be the one I wasn't even in the running Already had your mind made up You left me searching for a reason Why'd you leave? Left me in the dust And now you're saying that you need me, babe Saying that you need me, babe Right now, right now Now you're saying that you love me, love me, babe Right now, right now Now you're saying that you need me, saying that you need me, 
saying that you need me right now Gave you my love, thought I could trust you You let me down at every turn You had me hanging on a dream you never believed You gave me a word Finally on the other side And I could see my Listeners, you have reached the segment of the show where Emily says something to me and then I say something right back to her. That's right, it's called Bobby and Emily Talk to Each Other. And for this segment, Emily has procured a list of famous trios and she is going to discuss with me who me, Emily, and Jennifer identify best as in these famous trios. This would have been better if Jennifer could be here, but uh, that's just not the way. That's just not the way it's working right now. So I think that it should mainly be me that says who the famous trios like who each 
person in these famous trios uh closely like personality type resembles am i explaining that clearly yes do we need your perspective i i might weigh in on occasion okay so we don't really need jennifer here because it's my mind that is being valued in this conversation yeah we make the rules here yeah exactly so emily hit us with the first one okay the first trio is of the cartoon variety that would be spongebob patrick and squidward who are we bobby okay so this show is from this show is from the famous uh Nickelodeon cartoon called Spongebob Squarepants and Patrick is a starfish Spongebob is of course a sponge and Squidward is an octopi he's a squid he's a squid okay so let's see I would have to say that I think that these characters if if you just bear with me I think that they are more complex than what, you know, what the surface perception might be. Because, you know, you might say like, oh, Spongebob, he's the, uh, he's the, the, like, the funny one. I don't know. Patrick is the dumb one. And Squidward is the boring, rude one, right? But there's, there's a lot more happening here, okay? Um, I would say I'm definitely Spongebob because spongebob clearly is an extrovert he is optimistic to a fault and he really wants people to like him that's me and i think that squidward is definitely jennifer uh because he's kind of a realist but also like looks for the I don't know. How do you think he might be like Jennifer? Um, he enjoys art. Yes. And he's very much like the adult of the group. And he's a little disillusioned by life. Um, but he's still, he still, he like, there are things he really enjoys, but within his boundaries. Yes. And... I, th- I don't think that by default Emily is Patrick, okay? Because, I mean, I mean, if I was to pick a character, there's so many characters in the SpongeBob universe that I feel like better, are better like relating when it comes to Emily. But if I'm, if we're stuck with Patrick, I would say I find Patrick, he's, he's reliable. You know where to find him. He's always under his rock, right? Emily is reliable. Um, he's a good listener, right? There's a lot of times where SpongeBob has a problem and he just like goes to visit Patrick and he tells Patrick all of his issues and Patrick just like listens to him and, you know, he never says, you know, SpongeBob, that's a, you're, you know, you're bad for feeling this way or whatever. Emily would never do that. That's true, and he also accused Spongebob once of eating a chocolate that he himself had eaten but forgot that he ate, and I feel like that's very on brand for me. Yeah, that ex- that actually exact thing happened the other day. So, 
maybe maybe you and Patrick are not un- unlike each other. All right. Thanks for that breakdown, Bobby. Let's go on to the next one. Okay. All right. Here we've got another um, cartoony trio. Uh, this one's from a video game. We've got Mario, Luigi, and Bowser. Okay, Mario, Luigi, and Bowser. <laughs> I don't feel like this is an official trio. Because, like, Mario and Luigi, obviously, like, they're a pair. They're, like, brothers. And Bowser is, like, the bad guy. Like, in no way would you ever see them hanging out with each other. Yeah, but they really, like, um, feed off of each other. And, like, this is their 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 thing is, like, just being at odds and yeah whatnot. What would Mario be without Bowser? That's true. That's true. And vice versa. But... I don't know. Let me ask you this question, Emily. Um, or no, actually, let me just say this. I don't really want to be the one to say like that someone in our group is Bowser. Can I just, I'm going to just like fall on my sword here and say, I am Bowser. I'm the monster with like the terrifying face and giant spiky shell who's just trying to kidnap Princess Peach all the time and make her marry him, which that, to That's me, is very problematic. So. problematic part of the <laughs> plot line of Mario. Yeah, I mean, it was, its conception was, like, from, like, the 80s, so <laughs> there were a lot of problematic things in the 80s that you do not see around anymore. Somehow Mario has, you know, made it through those decades. So I'm Bowser. Okay, um, I guess I'll be Luigi. I'm going to let Jennifer be Mario because she deserves it. Yeah, especially since <laughs> since in the last trio she was Squidward. So she's, she, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, this um, is a good this one. This is really interesting. Okay, now we uh, cross the line over into fantasy. Yes, more, uh, uh, Middle Earth, in fact. <laughs> We've got Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli. <laughs> so Jennifer's Gimli. She's definitely Gimli, right? No? I don't really remember like their traits other than that he was kind of like the grumpier one. <laughs> like traditionally grumpy. They all seem kind of like different, like ver- like variations of grumpiness. But, yeah, that's true. Okay, so Gimli was, uh, is he like a... He's a dwarf. A dwarf in the fantasy realm. Mm-hmm. And um, he has is, a big beard. And he's very like, he loves talking about like the old days and his people. Maybe I'm Gimli. Maybe you are. He's kind of, he likes to reminisce about like the good times and say how like other things are terrible because those times were the best times. With yeah, his I think you're Gimli. I'm Gimli. Okay. I'm Legolas Gimli. is an elf and he is like tall and he is just really um elegant, I guess, and kind of uh what's the word where you move with ease? Uh swift. <laughs> He's very swift. He he carries a bow and arrow. That's true. And uh and then you have Aragorn. He's like the manly man of the group he's an actual man and he's like kind of like tough and he always kind of looks a little greasy especially by comparison to like when he's standing next to Legolas 
Yeah, he kind of, he always seems a little miffed. But he always, he sees the best in people. That's true. Yeah, and I'm, and, and I'm not saying that, like, any one of us don't do that, but, but he's, like, always, like, kind of hanging on to, like, the hope that everything is going to be okay, it's going to work out, and he trusts, like, the process, and I feel like Legolas is a little bit, um, he's a little bit, like, uh, what do you call it, jaded. Mm-hmm. He's a little jaded, yeah, because he's he's Wait, kind. Legolas or Aragorn? Legolas is a oh, little okay. jaded. He, have you seen? You've seen in the movie like the way he kind of. Oh, I've looks seen the movie. The way he looks at at like different people when they're like making bad choices or doing something. Oh, that's a he's little judgy. Silly. He's kind of judgy. Yeah, yeah. Jennifer's Legolas. Jennifer's Legolas. You're Aragorn. <laughs> I am Gimli. Yeah, that's definitely what's happening here. So, okay. all right, moving on. I don't think there's okay, any more. Okay, we gotta just... do one, one real uh, quick one. Okay. Um, uh, I would say I'm just scrolling through here. The Bee Gees, no, Elvin and the Chipmunks. Oh, the Jonas Brothers. No, not the. Uh, you want to do the Jonas Brothers? I just want to do a quick one. Let's do because we're do running Charlie's, out of time. Let's do Charlie's Angels. <laughs> okay. I don't really remember that much about Charlie's Angels. You don't? No, I mean, I I, re- I don't remember their, like, the ladies' personalities. Okay, let's do Destiny's Child. Okay, 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 okay. Okay. All right. Um, okay, I don't so know enough about Destiny's Child. Let's... I do. I'll tell okay. you. Okay, <laughs> so we've got Beyonce. Yes. She's oh, wait, the who? I never, never lead heard of singer. her. I'm we've got familiar. Kelly Rowland. Rowland? Kelly Rowland. And then the third one is Michelle Williams. And I think, okay, so Michelle Michelle Williams, Williams is her name? Yeah. D- did she, Does she know that there's a famous, another famous Michelle Williams? I don't know. I wonder if they've ever met. Okay. I think she went on to do, like, she broke off first and she started doing, like, Christian music. Oh, okay. And then I think Kelly Row- Rowland, am I saying this you tell me again. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter. I think she may have also done Christian music too. And then we have Beyonce who just, you know, she's famous. Yeah, for she's not doing Christian for music. For having children, for touring, for marrying Jay-Z, for m- being from Texas. Yeah. Name um, it. She's famous for it. Okay. I'm going to say Bobby is Beyonce, uh, Jennifer is Kelly, and I'm Michelle Williams. That no one's ever heard that of? That no one's ever heard of. Well, everyone, I really have enjoyed this episode. Yes. And we need to wrap it up so we can play our last song because it's a good one. And I just have to say it's so nice to be a part of a trio. Um, I feel privileged to have a place in this holy trinity of radio hosts. And I think that if you don't have a trio, get yourself a trio. Go to the farmer's market. It starts up in March and find two other people to grab the first two people you see and say, hey, you know what? Will you be the the Roland and uh, will you be the Kelly Roland and Michelle Williams to my Beyonce? Yeah, because you're definitely Beyonce. And don't ever think otherwise. You're a Beyonce every time. I feel everyone deserves to be the Beyonce in their trio. Yes. Okay. Uh, thank you so much for listening. We're going to play you out with a song yes. called Three is a Magic Number. Yeah. And it is by 
to buy a person and that person's name is bob duro enjoy bye everyone see you next week over the airwaves three is a magic number yes it is it's a magic number Somewhere in the ancient mystic trinity You get three as a magic number The past and the present and the future Faith and hope and charity The heart and the brain and the body Give you three as a magic number It takes three legs to make a tripod Or to make a table stand It takes three wheels to make a vehicle Called a tricycle Every triangle has three corners, every triangle has three sides, no more, no less. You don't have to guess. When it's three, you can see it's a magic number. A man and a woman had a little baby. Yes, they did. They had three in the family. That's a magic number. Three, six, nine, twelve, fifteen, eighteen, twenty-one, twenty-four, twenty-seven, thirty. Three, six, nine, twelve, fifteen, eighteen, twenty-one, twenty-four, twenty-seven, thirty. Now the multiples of three come up three times in each set of ten. In the first ten, you get three, six, nine, and in the teens, ten, it's twelve, fifteen, and eighteen. And in the twenties, you get a twenty-one, twenty-four, twenty-seven, and it comes out even on thirty. Yeah. Now multiply backwards from three times ten. Three times ten is thirty. Three times nine is twenty-seven. Three times eight is twenty-four. Three times seven is twenty-one. Three times six is eighteen. Three times five is fifteen. Three times four is twelve. And three times three is nine. And three times two is six. And three times one is three, of course. Three times one. What is it? Three. Yeah, that's a magic number. A man and a woman had a little baby. Yes, they did. They had three in the family. That's a magic number.